Um, used to, I don't know about today, but used to in high school or college, which were both blurs to me, uh, if you took chemistry or if you took biology, <clears throat> with that classroom time, you had a lab. Remember that? And uh, in chemistry, you play with all these chemicals, and you would learn in theory that when you do this with these chemicals, this happens. And then lab would be when you would go and you would do that with those chemicals in hopes that it would happen. And biology, I remember they had this, these uh, diagrams of cat innards. I don't know any other way to put it, okay? Cat innards, what's inside of a cat? Well, then lab would come, and you would dissect a cat. And you would look at the charts, and you would look at the, the cadaver, and you're supposed to be able to identify in the cat what was on the charts. Never looked the same to me. I opened that cat up and there were no numbers next to those things. So I didn't have a clue what it was. But you had the, the, uh, the theory part and then you would have the practical part. You would have the lab. Well, today is lab. Okay? Today, we're going to have lab. Just letting you know up front that something is going to be required of you before we leave. I'm going to ask you to do something that's the practical of what we've been learning. Okay? Put it into practice. It's no good if it's just in our head. So today, we're going to take a few minutes in a little bit. I don't have a whole lot to share, but it's relating to what we're going to do. And I'm going to ask you to do something, each one of us to do something. Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Wonderful, wonderful verses in here. And we're all familiar uh, with the verses where Jesus talks about how to pray. For instance, in Matthew 6, verse uh, 7, he says, And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. Now listen to that. Do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. How much of our prayer is repetitive because it sounds spiritual? I'm just being honest with you. How much of our prayer is just things that we say that sound like a spiritual thing to say, and we're really not addressing the Father. We're just using that phrase because that fills in the gaps. And we can't have gaps in prayer. Can't have quiet in prayer. And he addresses that issue. When you're praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. The premise is the more words, the more their God would listen. 
And I don't know about you, but the more words you shoot at me, the quicker I tune out. That thousand-yard stare, you think I'm listening. Husbands and wives go through this all the time. That's why in our house, we call each other's name before we talk to each other. Because we have a tendency to talk to ourselves. So if she really wants me to hear, she says, Micah? Oh, okay. There's this sense that if more we pray, the longer we pray, the more influence it's going to have on God. He says, don't do that. He said, do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask. Do we... I, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. I, I said something a couple of weeks ago where I said, if we're going to learn to walk by the Spirit, we're going to have to walk, learn to walk in the unseen, what we can't see. Well, that's not only true of the unseen... It's the unfelt. We're going to have to learn to walk in a rim where we don't feel like walking in the rim. Where that emotion is not there. That feeling is not there. And he says here, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Then you say, why ask him? And the answer is, Because he said to ask him. What he didn't say to do is go into this great length describing to me your situation and then tell me how I'm supposed to fix it. I know what you need. Find out what I need, what you need. Ask me what you need. And then ask me to provide what you need. And we're jiving. That's what he's saying. Now notice what he says. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, we have dissected those verses the church has over the years. But it's interesting to me, as we look at those, he's telling us how to pray. But before he tells us how to pray, he addresses what we've been talking about for the last several months. And that is where to pray. It's what we've been talking about. Where do we find God? How do we come into his presence? Where does he live? Where does he dwell? We want to come in there to fellowship with him. We want to come there to be intimate with him. We want to come and have a relationship with him. We want to come there and pray in his presence. And he says before he addresses how to pray, he addresses where to pray. Look in verse 5. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. I'm going to read this out of the King James. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to the Father 
who is in secret. It literally says, who is in the secret place. Pray to the Father, enter into the secret place, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and the Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. So he not only tells us how, he tells us where, and we've missed it all along. We thought it was literally a closet. But I believe what he's saying to us, where does the Father abide? He abides in the secret place. The secret place at one time was the tabernacle. At one time it was the temple. Now, where is the secret place where God lives? Right here. Go where God lives. Don't stand on the street corners. There's no appeal to that except for your reputation. If you want to be intimate with the Father, and if you want to pray and know that he's going to answer, go where he lives. And this is part of the thing that we're going to have to learn. I don't feel like he lives here. I don't feel like he's at this place. How many of you have ever felt like you were a thousand miles from God? Feel like God's far away. How many have ever had somebody say to you, if you feel like God's moved, if you feel like God is far away, guess who moved? Implication being, you moved. Let me explain something to you. You can't move. You can't move. Because God is in the secret place. Listen to what Psalms 139, listen to what the psalmist says. He says in in Psalms 139, verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I go to get away from you, God? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in shale or in the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, Surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. Even the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Where can I go to get away from God? Nowhere. And God has committed, lo, I am with you for how long? Always. So if I can't go anywhere to get away from God and God has committed to staying with me always, what is going on when I feel like I'm not close to God? Well, at that point, I have to make that decision. Am I going to live off of what I feel or am I going to live off of what God knows? That's where I have to make the decision. Well, I, I'm afraid if I, 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 just, I just don't feel it. 
Well, just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. doesn't mean it's true. What's true is what God's perspective. And God says there's no place you can go. There's no place I can go. There's no place I can hide. Even if it's dark, it doesn't matter because darkness and light are the same to God. All my sins have separated me from God. Where can I go? doesn't say my sin. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Do I really convinced of that? Well, how do I go where God lives? If God lives in the secret place, how do I go where God's at? Well, he tells us in this verse. Shut the door. How do I get where God's at? Shut the door. Shut the door. The issue is not that I have moved far away from God. The issue is that I have embraced a whole lot of other things that are causing me to lose the awareness of God's presence and make me more aware of those things than I am of his presence. What do you think worry is? Somehow we think if I can just worry this thing through, it'll fix it. If I can just worry this thing through, I can come to a solution. And what happens is we open the door to something other than God's perspective. And we open the door to that, it brings death. How do I enter into his presence? Shut the door. Shut the door to that situation. Shut the door to that distraction. Shut the door to that perspective. And I am immediately in his presence. Because he lives in the secret place. Here's the secret place. That's where he lives. How do I get there? How do I make that choice? Well, it's not by what I feel. It's not by what I think. It's by what God says. And that is required in order to live and walk in the presence of God. I have to make that decision. I have to make that determination today in this classroom, in this gym, in this school, in this activity, the Father is here. He is here. He can be touched. He can be known. And whenever I realize I have allowed the door to be open to all of this other traffic, to all of this other noise that drowns out his presence, to all of these other sensations that are stronger in my life because I have given allegiance to them, rather than the awareness of God's presence, it's time to shut the door. Shut the door. Just say, no, you can't come in. This is a time where I'm going to enter in to the secret place. And what did the psalmist say about the secret place? He who what? Dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Why? Because the Almighty's there in the secret place. And it's not that I have to go anywhere. It's not that I have to turn and, and, and leave here. It is the fact that I say no to all of the things that are drawing me away from here. 
and taking my attention away from it. He's lived here since the day I met him. We just hadn't been aware of it. Why? We leave the door open. We leave the door open to the TV. Leave the door open to the radio. Leave the door open to the news. That's a welcome sight, isn't it? We leave the door open to worry. We leave the door open to stress. We leave the door open to all of these thoughts that tell us God's not here. He's not interested. He don't care. He cares about everybody else, but he doesn't care about you. Shut the door. You know what? I'm shutting the door. In my mind, I'm shutting the door. Nope, no more. Nothing else is getting in here. The only thing that is here is the presence of God, and he's here in me. No to the rest of this stuff. That's how I learned to abide in his presence. That's how I learned to live aware of his presence. And that's his heart for us. Here's what I want us to do this morning. We're going to shut the door. And I'm going to ask you to shut the door. We've talked about stilling our body. We've talked about quieting our soul. We've talked about receiving in our spirit. What I'm talking about today is receiving in my spirit. What am I receiving? I am receiving what God says over and against everything else. I am receiving what God says in challenge to my emotions that I have received in the past. I'm saying, I'm not receiving you anymore. I'm going to receive what God says. And I'm receiving God's perspective. I'm receiving his voice and his presence. He's saying, Father, you're here. You're here in me. So what I'm going to ask you to do, we're going to take We're going to take five minutes, okay? And I'm going to ask you to still your body, quiet your soul, and receive in your spirit. And here's what I'm going to ask you to receive in your spirit is God's presence. I'm going to ask you to say to the Father, however you want to, whatever you have to do, Father, I thank you that you're here. I don't feel it. I don't deserve for you to be here, but I thank you that you're here, that you're in the secret place. And I choose to close the door to all this other stuff that bombards my mind. You are here. You are here. Wherever I go, you are there. You are already there. You're there in this problem that I'm facing. You're there in this need that I have. You are there. And I'm going to ask you to receive that God is here now for you. All right? And we're going to take five minutes and do that. And then I'm going to ask you to come and share what you heard from the Father. Okay? Just what happened? Nothing happened? Nothing. But I want to hear. That's how we're encouraged. I'm encouraged. You know, I I wonder sometimes if this makes any sense whatsoever. And I don't get a lot of feedback from people. I know y'all don't like me, but you could at least talk to me. Okay? So that encourages others for what they're going through and what they're dealing with. So we're going to take five minutes to be still before the Father.
And then we're going to take five minutes to give you opportunity to come up and share. The end of five minutes, nobody comes. We're going home. Okay? We're done for the day. Lab's over. Go home and practice. All right? Practice. Brother Lawrence had that book, Practicing His Presence. We practice. We repeat what it's like to be in the presence of God. Okay? Any questions? Five minutes to just shut the door, be still in his presence. Thank him for being here. Ask him to show you that he's here. And then five minutes to share. If no one shares, then we're going to go home after that. All right? Any questions? Okay, Father, you're here. We don't want to miss you. We don't want to be so caught up in our stuff that we miss what you're doing. So we thank you. I ask you to just confirm in our soul your presence in our spirit and your heart towards us. Thank you, Father. Five minutes. There we go. That was five minutes. Did it seem like 45? It's only for long when you watch the clock. Now, what I'm asking you to share is, I'm not, you don't have to have a word, okay? What we want to know is about that time. What were you aware of during that time? Did the Lord show you anything? Did you become conscious of anything? What trouble did you have doing that, all right? So we're going to take five minutes. If you've got something, come on. If you don't, then we're done. All right? So it was really good practice trying to find my quiet place with my son, trying to open my eyes. That was, sorry, thank you. Um, as I was saying, it was, trying to, it was really fun. My son was trying to open my eyes like the entire time prying my eyes open. But one thing that kept popping into my head over and over and over as I was trying to quiet my mind and just empty it. And for me, that's really, really, really hard. Um, was journal. Just journaling. While, Micah, you were preaching and, and sharing with us, I opened up my journal and I just started writing things that are cluttering my brain. And as I was writing those things down, my brain emptied and it, it calmed down and my ears opened and I could just hear. And the Lord, while, and I, I was laying down because that helps me keep from fidgeting. He just said, that's what you got to do before you come see me. You have to empty your brain. Because if you don't, specific, like with someone like me, my brain is going 90 miles an hour trying to get going, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to print this. I got, you know, but having my brain empty because all those things are now on paper, I can actually focus on what the Lord is telling me. The very first thing was real simple. I'm here. And you're making this harder than it needs to be. 
Um, hello. Uh, so I was actually praying to God while we were doing uh, the quiet time. And I prayed to him about, because like, I don't like my personality. I don't like the way I handle things when I'm upset or anything. And so I prayed to God and asked him if he could like change the way I do things and like just change my life basically. And what he said to me was, I am going to make you the person I want you to be. You are my child. You are mine. So, yeah. Mine was simple. When I started praying or just trying to be quiet, I felt like the Lord said, I have a plan. And so I tried going, okay, Lord, what's the plan? And this and that. I had to back off of that. And he just said, rest. And his name is Jesus, and his train fills the temple, with his eyes flames of fire, and his hair white as snow, and the angels are singing. There is life everlasting to the one who believes. There is life evermore. I meant to follow Kathy. <laughs> I don't like following Joni. <laughs> But um, because my experience was very similar, I, I didn't realize it, but I was, as I was sitting there trying to shut the door, I was tense like this, and I just began, my muscles just began relaxing. Um, I just heard the Lord saying, let go of control. Let go of control of your body. Let go of control of your soul. Um, let go, and then I heard the Lord say, um, nothing can separate me from you, not even you. I kind of didn't want to come up here, but it was going against what he was telling me. And he told me, he goes, you worry, but don't fret, because you're my child. So that's, that's all I had to say. Uh, it's hard for me to be still too and shut my thoughts down. And a lot of times it's just quick when I hear from him. It, it's like, do this now. And, and I'll feel it in my spirit and I'll do it right then and there. But to just be still and quiet, that's a challenge. Uh, but this morning in one of the songs... I was really struggling with getting up and walking around. And I was, first of all, what are people going to say? I'm wearing my mask. What are people, what if nobody follows me? I mean, all these thoughts. And the Lord just says, just do it. And I really felt that. 
And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to walk. I'm not going to look back. I'm just going to focus on you and do what you asked me to do. And I did. And Paula confirmed it. And then so did Joni. So when I was sitting there, all I could do was thank him. That's all I could do was just be still and thank him for that moment. That's what I got. <laughs> I think when I first started, um, I, I just asked God, I'm like, this is so much harder than it used to be. And Anna and I have been talking about that some, you know, because it's been new for her. And she kind of hit that first patch where it wasn't brand new. And, um, you know, God told me something different from when he told my dad, you're making it harder. To me, he said, yeah, it is harder. You've got a lot going on right now. But it's not, it's all stuff that you could do, just like um, Jordan was saying, just settle down and give it to me first, you know, and don't, there's a little conviction in there too, don't use the TV as the coping mechanism, because it's, you know, right now, it's hard not to be mentally exhausted all the time with this stuff that's going on, and, um, and he was just saying that, like, and even just as, because I do have eyes watching me on how do we do this walk, (laughs) Um, you know, and I was just, just the acknowledgement, the empathy is what I felt, that yeah, it is harder, but we can do this. I'd kind of gone in and told God, I was like, I'm sorry that my heart's kind of like a messy place to be right now, and he said, it's okay, and he says, I can clean it up for you and try and sort everything out, and I was like, I don't know how to let you do that. And he was like, you just have to let go of the worry of what everyone else thinks about you and the desire of trying to be perfect and it's okay to have people not like you or not like your decisions. You don't have to worry about what everyone else thinks of you because I find you as a child. You are my child and I love you regardless. And that's where your mess comes from is your expectations from others. coming here this morning I noticed I was emotionally void no emotions no sense so because I have and I encourage practice 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 so when I felt felt that way I said okay being quiet before the Lord being very sensitive to his spirit. And when I was quiet over there, he says, you are free. You're, you have, you experience freedom. Freedom to express me. Um, no fear of man. Wrestling at times with the spirit, but submitting to him. And it is done in practice, 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 being sensitive to your soul and your soulish emotions and quieting those so that I can hear what the Lord is directing me to do. So it's, 
And it's kind of, it's fun. So I came in here. I said, okay, I'm going to sit here. And I only moved when the spirit, or, or if I saw something uh, for me to do. So uh, sensing the Holy Spirit, it, it just said, you're free. You're being free, you know. And it, it is a, a constant. It's not a, always a given, but it was a constant. But um, i give a little testimony where I learned this in 1983, March 31st, 1986. Our church was praying for a month. Um, I said, oh, okay, in the evenings, we were praying and we were waiting for, uh, we were praying for a specific reason. And I said, okay, I'll pray for, you know, a couple of, couple of days. He said, no, I want you there every night. Okay. March 31st, the end of that month, 1986, came in from work. And I had all this work stuff in my head, you know. Just tired. And I walked into an amazing situation. The men was on one side, and they were praising the Lord. And they were just saying, you know, declaring and proclaiming. On this side, the women were weeping at the altar. So when I, I looked at that, and I went, Okay, Lord, I don't feel any of this. And I'm not going to do any. I'm going to go to the, and I'm praying, but I'm not sensing any of this happening. I went, and I was praying and waiting on the Lord, and all of a sudden, I started wailing. Wailing, I mean wailing, and crying. I'm going, and and I had, the Lord gave me an open vision. And the open vision was, I was at Calvary. And I stood there with Mary and John, seeing the cross, and Jesus on the cross. And I could feel the despair And I could feel how they felt at that time. And then immediately, later, I mean, after, and again, my mind's going, these people thinking I'm, (laughs) whatever your mind is rolling, you know, but I'm having this vision. And then, all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost, I just started laughing. Laughing, my head down, and just the Holy Ghost just laughing and laughing and and bursting out. So sometimes when you don't feel, just you know, just go go. Your heart is for the Lord. Just go where He goes, takes you. So it just it was just an astounding uh, experience. Uh, that I that I had, 
I'll never forget that. So I sat there and just shut my eyes and I just said, Father, mm. you just start getting there, you know, and you start feeling it and it's so good. And I said, mm. okay, no expectation, right? I just want to mm, just be here with you with no expectation. So I have to say that sometimes. <laughs> and immediately, man, he brought Tanya's name. To my heart. So, Tanya, I want to publicly encourage you with what he shared with me today. Man, I felt like he is seeing the trans. Well, first off, he obviously is seeing the transformation, but others are getting to see the transformation of how much you are falling in love with him. But it's going much, much deeper. And the root of it, I mean, I could just. It was so incredible, just the passion and the sense and the hunger you are having for him. But it's not just affecting you and your five. You're leaving a long legacy. And I know that you have affected my family. You are affecting my girls. And um, so thank you. But there's many, many more that you probably don't even realize that you're affecting. So that was one person that he brought to my heart. So I just thanked him for that and just started going there. And then I said, okay. And so, you know, you just sit there and you just are quiet. And then Marsha Brown, he brought you to my heart. And so he brought a word uh, just to pray over you. And so I started praying that over you. And so... um, Man, you are so dear to him. But that was my time with him this morning in that five minutes. And it's just, it's different, right? And it's so amazing that I could sit there and just be with him and be so quiet and it'd be all about just him. Or in that five minutes, I could, he brought up Tanya and how incredible and what he's doing in her and me be encouraged by that. And then for Marsha, and then I got to sit there and pray over Marsha and just what's going on with you, I felt like. And it was just an honor. So it was a wonderful five minutes. Gordon said, she's already gone. Uh, I appreciated, oh, there she is. I appreciated that what you were saying. You said, I wanted to empty my mind in order for me to focus. Pretty accurate, okay. It's a weird dynamic sometimes because the goal is not an empty mind, the goal is the focus. Okay, Eastern meditation is you just empty your mind and take whatever comes. That's not the objective. The objective is to clear your mind to focus on the Lord, and that's the procedure sometimes. Other times, the procedure, Krista. Sometimes the other procedure is, instead of trying to not care about what people think, stop that, I start saying what God says. So that's my focus. I've changed my focus. I'm not focusing on not doing this. I'm not focusing on clearing my mind. I'm focusing on this. Sometimes you have to focus on this to even get to this. you know. But the objective is to embrace this at some point, to say, hey, 
because I didn't care what people thought about me for a long time. And I was a jerk because I just didn't care. So that's not the objective. The objective is to find what the heart of the Father says about me. And when I begin to embrace that and receive that, then he changes me into that image through that process. So it's, it's different each time. There's nothing that's just set in stone that says this is how you do it. Sometimes you have to clear it out to get the focus. Sometimes you embrace the focus to help clear it out. Okay, does that make sense? So it's it's not, this was two good examples of a variety of ways to approach the Father and things that you do during that time. Okay, what we did today, we don't have to stop for five minutes every Sunday and do this. It's best when you do it on your own and then respond to the Father from what he gives you during that time. Okay, this is just practice. This is just learning. It's, it's changing muscles. It's changing brain neurons, whatever that is. It's changing how we see things and how we embrace things. And we're going to talk more about that next week, about the process of what takes place when we behold the Father. Why, I tell you, the Lord showed me some things that were really good about that verse, and we'll cover them again next week and, and get a little more detail.